there's something written on your heart. It's the guiding force in your life. And when the storms of life come, the writing comes to the surface. Your story and all of its baggage is written on your heart. But there's another story. And God says that we are to write it on our hearts. The Bible. 66 books with over 30,000 verses. Now that sounds like a pretty tall order. But Jesus' life provides the perfect example of Scripture that is etched on the heart. When Jesus is tempted by Satan in the wilderness, his response is straight out of Deuteronomy. On his way to being crucified, Jesus continues to quote Scripture. And finally, as Jesus surrenders his spirit, he quotes Psalm 22. His father's words were on the front of his mind and on the tip of his tongue at every moment. But Jesus didn't just know the scriptures. He lived the scriptures. They weren't just words on a page to him. They were the foundation upon which he built his life. And God invites us to do the same. But Jesus said something pretty shocking about the scriptures. He confronted a group of religious leaders who were trying to earn eternal life by studying the scriptures and said to them, you're looking in the wrong place. The scriptures all point to one thing, me. For I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So don't think that the scriptures lead to eternal life. They don't. They lead to Jesus, the author of eternal life. And studying them is not about knowing a bunch of nice sayings. It's about knowing a person, Jesus. To know Jesus is to know Scripture. And to know Scripture is to know the heart of the Father. For it contains the very words of God. His words were meant to become a part of you, to course through your veins, to be lived out. Something is written on your heart, and it's either your words or God's. Either your story or God's story. So may you find your place in God's story. May you delight in his word. And may that word be forever written on your heart. Right on. Hey, my name is David Allgaier, and I'm the uh, late church pastor. I teach downtown. I want to welcome all our campuses who are with us right now, Statesboro and East Effingham, and late church is also with us. And this is kind of a little bit of a different sermon. It's not really a sermon. It's kind of more like a lesson. And what I want us all to come away with, what we want us all to come away with today, is being inspired to read our Bibles, study our Bibles on our own, starting tomorrow, and actually to have a plan. And the reason that's the goal is because there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of things that God wants to do in your life that are never, ever going to happen unless... You become a person, and I become a person who studies Scripture daily. That's how God has created life. So there's all these things we want God to do in our lives, but often the very thing God provides for us to, in order to have those things is the very thing we often don't do as believers. Think about it like this, okay? Um, do you know what the number one reason why People don't get better. Of all the reasons why people don't get better when they go to the doctor, the number one reason, it's not because the doctor gives them a bad 
prescription or misdiagnoses him, although that happens, you know, things like that. It's this really interesting thing called non-compliance, okay? It's the number one reason why people don't get better when they go to the doctor. Here, here's kind of how it works. And you know, you can think of hundreds of scenarios. Uh, this, is, this is one that's happened probably, um, probably 100 to a billion times, okay, this particular one. So a doctor, a guy will go to the doctor and he'll say to his doctor, look, I'm feeling really sick. I've been sick for a couple months. I got no energy. I just feel really down. And they do all these blood tests and everything. And the doctor says, okay, I, got, I have a solution for you. And he, he asks the guy about his life and he goes, Here, here's what you need to do. You need to go home and three times a week you need to exercise because you're not exercising. 30 minutes, three times a week. And then you need to start eating fruits and vegetables instead of going to McDonald's every day. And and so he writes this prescription out, right? The guy goes home, he comes back a month later. He comes back to the doctor and he goes, look, doctor, uh, man, I'm worse. I'm way worse than I was. I was tired before. Now I'm, I'm, it's really bad. I feel even sicker than I did before. And the doctor's baffled. He goes, oh my goodness. Okay. So you know, let's, let's, you know, do some more tests. And in the process of doing this, he, he asked the guy, okay, so you did, you, you, you've been exercising, right? And you've been eating differently. And the guy's like, well, no. And then the doctor goes, okay, wait a second. You know, first of all, we, we can't just give you a pill. There's no substitute for this. Go home, exercise three times a week, 30 minutes, eat more vegetables. Um, and then we'll see how you do. So the, the, the month later, the guy comes back again and he's on his deathbed. He's like, doctor, you don't, you know, I understand. I, I need some medication. I'm not getting any better. And the doctor's like, this is crazy. I can't believe you're not getting any better. I mean, you're exercising, right? You're eating better, right? Well, no, you know, and then, you know, and, and then it continues like for the rest of the guy's life. And the reason the guy isn't getting better because the very thing that he needs to do to get better, he doesn't do. It's called non-compliance. And and it's a tough thing and a sad thing in a lot of believers' lives. It's epidemic. The very thing that we're called to do in order to receive all these things from God, for, for God to form us, for God to transform us, to, to do all these things he wants to do in our lives and through our lives, the very things he's provided, his word and prayer, communication with him, are the very things we don't do. We want all of those blessings, all of those things that we know, you know, we could have, but the very thing we need to do in order to receive them, we don't do. God has designed life in such a way that many things will not happen, will never happen apart from the regular practice of being in God's word on your own. Uh, Innumerable things, wisdom, God's desire to pour wisdom into you to make daily decisions in your life. God wants to direct you in those things and for you and I to learn how to get direction from his word. He wants to give us guidance on how to lead our families better, how to do life better, insight into our daily lives, revelation. God wants to reveal innumerable innumerable truths to you and I. He wants to reveal things about yourself that you would otherwise be blind to. And he does that through being alone with his spirit in prayer and, and studying the word. He wants to transform you. Transformation happens when we are with God in prayer alone and with his word, studying his word alone. Spiritual transformation happens. And we don't want to just know information. We don't want to just know information about peace, information about joy, information about patience. We want to actually have those things. That's the difference between being informed and being transformed. God wants us to have those things. And honestly, I don't think they happen apart from the things God has provided to make them happen. Being alone 
with God, with his spirit in prayer and in the word. And, and really, I think that, that we just kind of stay who we are. We stay the same. We don't really get transformed into Christ-likeness apart from the things God has provided in order to transform us. Inspiration. God giving us ideas, giving us motivation and energy to, to do things differently, changing our desires, not just, again, informing us how to or giving us information about things we should desire, but changing the should to want to. He changes our hearts so that we want those things that he wants. He inspires us. He, he pours his spirit into us. He moves us. We don't even know sometimes what to seek in God's will because we don't spend time alone with him. And if we did, he would put things on our hearts and move us and direct our lives to do different things. A connection with God happens through being alone with him and his spirit in prayer and in study of the word. So many of us feel, you know, a disconnect. I don't get, you know, how when people talk about this connection with God and just feeling the presence of God. Well, the very thing that God provided to give us that feeling of connection or to connect us to his spirit, we often don't do. We're non-compliant believers. We're not condemned. We're saved. We put our faith in Christ, but we're non-compliant. We're not doing the things or taking God's prescription for doing the things that provide us those hundreds and hundreds of things that he wants to do in our lives. That's why today is a totally different sermon. It's not really a sermon. It's more like a class session. We're going to spend time on, on looking into how to actually study the Bible, how to get the most out of Bible study so that any barriers you or I might have can be removed from studying the Bible. Because honestly, sometimes people don't study scripture because, man, that's a really big book and it's a little intimidating. I'm not really sure what to do. We want to remove some of those barriers from you. I want to get rid of those things that, that prevent any of us from, from being with God and receiving those things that God wants to give us. Or maybe for you, the first part is what you needed. You don't even really need the how-to. You, you, you've been a believer for a long time, but just being reminded of the things that God wants to do in your life was enough. And you're like, man, yeah, I need to get back into the word. Maybe that's enough for you. you know? Now, the reason we're doing this message lesson, whatever this is right now at this time, is because we're studying the book of Luke right now. We're in this, this series that's, that's going to be over, well, is over a year long studying the book of Luke. And what we're calling every person in our church to do is study along with us. And in your bulletin, every week we have scriptures from the book of Luke. And, and our, our, our call and our desire is that we're all doing this together. We're all in the word together, that we're, we're studying the book of Luke. And, and you, you know, you can look, study different parts of the Bible too, but it doesn't do any good to tell everybody, hey, let's all study scripture, you know, alone, but then they don't know how to do it. So we just thought, wow, we really need to talk about that, to just spend some time doing this. So this is a really good time to be here. If you're new, this is great. If you're a new believer, you know, maybe you've never even heard any of these things before, and this is just perfect timing for you. If you're not and you do have a practice of studying scripture, I promise there's something in here for you that maybe you haven't thought of. So this is good for everybody. For me, um, this was kind of fun and a little bit challenging to take 30 to 35 minutes and to condense 
the hundreds of hours of things that you really need to say into how to study your Bible and how to interpret your scripture into that little time period. Interestingly, just kind of an interesting thing. Um, I, I teach at Lay Church. That's, that's my job. I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor at Savannah Christian Church. But I also teach some classes for Point University, which is, uh, there's a campus of a Christian university here that's actually on, on, on the Henderson campus. Um, and I teach classes for them. And interestingly enough, two of the classes that I teach are 301, Biblical Interpretation, and 105, Introduction to Bible Study. So when I approached this sermon, it was like, oh my goodness, there's 150 hours of information. What am I going to do? You know, this was a challenge. So I'm cutting everything, okay? Everything but this little kernel of here's what you have to know, in my opinion. So, so take out this card, okay? We're going to be walking through this card. I, I, we made this so that you could take this home, take this information, use it, and as a guide to... Do Bible study until you really get a feel for it. And also for any of you parents, but, but just even friends, you can teach other people how to do this. You can use this to teach your kids. You can uh, walk through you know, how to read your Bible with them. There's a couple other interesting things on this card. Keep it with you, but I'm going to walk through this uh, during this message as well. And really the way I, I got to the point where I was like, okay, here's my 30 minutes of material out of the hundreds and hundreds of hours of things we could say is I just thought about my three daughters. I got a 12-year-old daughter and two 11-year-old daughters. And my big question is, if they were sitting out there, which I think one of them's out there somewhere, and I only had one chance to give them 30 minutes of information on, here's what you need to know to how, for how to study your Bible. Here's what I would tell them. So that's what this is. This is all out of love. Now, there's dozens of ways to read the Bible. You can do... Um, you can use it as a prayer guide. You can use it as a survey guide. You can do in-depth study. What I'm talking about today is one particular type of study, which I believe is the most important thing to learn first and foremost, and that's personal devotional study. The reason why this is the most important thing to learn how to do to study the Bible is because there's two aspects of it. The first aspect of it is you're getting truth from God. God is speaking truth to you about life about the world. He's revealing things to you through this type of study. But the second half of it is, is you're getting guidance from God, from the scripture. What are you saying to me? So God's telling you stuff about life and the world, but then he's, ta- he's talking to you as an individual in that time. And you're opening yourself up to Holy Spirit. What are you saying to me right now? So that's what this kind of Bible study is. Personal devotional study. Now, in, in this type of study, there's some good news because there's really not, um, a, there's, you don't really have to read a lot of scripture. You can read a verse. Um, usually, you're going to read about a paragraph up to a chapter in this type of study. You get to choose how much scripture you, you read, so uh, you don't have to have any pressure about having to read a whole bunch of it. One day, you might read a couple of verses. Another day, um, you, you might read a little bit more, a chapter or two. Um, and sometimes it's just going to depend on what God does to you while you're studying. He's going, to, he's going to keep you on this one verse. And there's going to be a million things he's going to reveal to you in that one verse. And you're, and you're going to sit and soak in that, that, that verse. And you're going to have a hundred questions. And he's just going to keep showing you things. Other times you're going to go through a paragraph or even a chapter. He's going to tell you all this different stuff as you're going through it. 
That's how scripture is. It's it's unpredictable what the spirit's going to do each time that you're alone with the scripture and God. So one way to think about it is like this, that every verse of scripture is a pool you can wade in. In other words, there's, there's, there's truths that you're going to get right away. And it's also an ocean you can drown in. There's some things you're going to spend, we're going to spend our whole lives just going, wow, walking down the street after you do your Bible study and John 3, 316 hits you in a way you've never thought of before. Whoa, you know, that kind of thing. All right. So here we go. What do you actually do in order to study the Bible? First of all, you have to choose an understandable translation. Okay, on this card here, turn to this side where it says recommended Bible translations. Okay, now, a little bit of a warning. There's only, there's only a few translations I put on here. Don't be upset about that if your translation is not on here because there's over 900 translations of the Bible into English. They didn't all fit, all right? I simply put translations on here, some of the top recommended ones. Please don't get your feelings hurt um, if yours isn't on here, okay? That doesn't mean your translation's not good. That, I just only had room for some of the top ones that I recommend. Now, every one of these translations here, every, all the English translations, they translate directly from the Greek and the Hebrew manuscripts, directly from the Greek and the Hebrew. But what they do is, translators have to decide, do I translate more word for word? And on your chart, it shows you on the top, these are more word for word, or do I paraphrase more because often paraphrasing is more understandable. And you can see the tension there. Word for word, the, the problem can be that it's, it, the translation can be a little awkward, you know, because we wouldn't say it like that in English. But the advantage is, word for word, closer word for word, is that you're sticking closer to the actual wording of the text. Whereas the advantage with paraphrasing is it's very understandable. Where the disadvantage is sometimes you're leaving out some words and even though they're difficult, you probably should keep them there. So there's that tension and you have to choose what you want. And it's gonna be different, honestly, at different times in your life. It's gonna be different for different people. The, the most important thing is to choose something you understand. If you're reading a Bible that you just don't understand, Man, put that aside for a while and get a Bible that you understand. That's the most important thing. You will probably change Bible versions over time. Let me just give you an example of my own personal story. I grew up uh, reading the New American Standard Bible. That's what I had when I was a little kid. That's what my church used, New American Standard. Then, then when I got into college, I switched to the NIV, which is actually even a little more or less word for word than New American Standard. You can see it on here. One of the reasons I did that is because it was a real popular translation. So when you preach, a lot of people have that version. But then about 10 years ago, I switched to the ESV, a little more word for word. When my kids were young, I bought them all new living translations. But when they were 10 years old, I bought each of them an ESV study Bible. My wife also, this is an ESV study Bible. This is no right or wrong. It changes at different points in your life. You have to choose, but you want to choose something that's understandable. I know this is a really touchy subject, okay? Because I know that on this sheet, again, some of you aren't, you hate my card already because your translation is not on here. I understand that. And let's talk about it, okay? I want you, I want to give you guys the green light to email me 
Ask me any question um, about translations. Ask me any question. If you even just have an issue in general and you're just upset about something, I want to hear from you right away. So my email address on the board, okay, here it is right here. It's case sensitive. I want to give you guys the green light to just, just vent, okay? Just put it out there, okay? Let's be friends, all right? I like lots of email, lots and lots of email. All right, now after you choose your translation, you have to determine a realistic plan. Realistic. Don't go like, I'm going to read the Bible every day for three hours. No, you're not. Okay. If you are, (laughs) never mind. Choose a realistic plan. Okay. Something that's really doable, but you have to decide where it's going to be. Like what room are you going to be in? What time of day how many days a week are you going to do it? Be realistic. If it's like three days a week, fine. Four days a week, fine. Sometimes it's good to give yourself like a couple breather days so you're not you know, killed by perfectionism where you miss a day and then you get depressed and stop doing it, right? So be realistic about it. But I will tell you this. You have to have a plan. If you don't have a plan, if you've, just, if you've not decided in advance where, how long I'm going to do it, let's say it's like 30 minutes and you can choose different time periods and, and what days of the week when it's going to happen, you'll spend, and, and what book you're going to read. Like, choose in advance what plan you're going to read. And you can look on the internet for plans, but we're encouraging you to read Luke with us. If you don't, you're going to spend half your time, like, deciding, oh, where should I go? And you're going to move from this room to this room, and da-da-da-da-da, and I don't know what book. And then all your time's going to go by, and oh, one minute to read the Bible. Okay, that's it, right? Um, I don't know anybody who who actually reads scripture daily, who doesn't have an actual plan where they do it and, and how long it's going to be in what book. And if you think you're the exception to the rule and you're, you come to me later and go, hey, I don't have a plan and I do it, I'm not going to believe you. I'm going to have cameras follow you because I won't believe you, okay? You have to have a plan. So you have to have a plan. Now, then you dive into it. You start. And all of us, starting tomorrow, if you're not doing it now, starting tomorrow. I want you to do it starting tomorrow. You dive into daily scripture reading. You learn to do it by doing it. That's how you learn to pray. That's how you learn to read scripture, is you learn to do it by doing it. We all do. We all struggle with it, and we learn to do it by doing it. Don't expect perfection, and don't give up when it gets difficult. So that's what, it, now, that's what you do to start. Now, here's what it looks like. Turn to the other side, okay, how to read the Bible. You... You can do this version of Bible study, 20, about 20 minutes minimum, up to whatever, an hour or longer, okay? So let's just say we got 30 minutes. Here's what you do. First, you prepare, okay? Remember, you're prepared in advance. You have a plan. So you get all your stuff ready, in other words, okay? I got a little section. I got a chair in this room in my house, and I got all my stuff on the shelf. It's already there. I got these little sticky notes that I use. I got a pen. I got some other things, all right? Um, You'll have your own system of what you do. Um, But guys, just for the guys, two pieces of advice. First of all, use a notebook where you write things down that God teaches you. I don't have to tell the girls to do that because every girl in the world has a journal. And then they have other secret journals and other little drawers all over the place, right? Um, If you're a guy, you might not have one of these notebooks because you think journaling is for girls, right? You're right. Journaling is for girls. This is not a journal. This is a man book, okay? This is, this is totally different, all right? Uh, the, actually, I, this is what I call my man chronicles. Now, God will teach you things 
by processing them, by writing them down, plus you want to remember some of these things. It's a part of how, writing things down is a part of how knowledge and wisdom is processed. It's very important to write things down. So that's my first piece of advice to guys. Get a man book, okay? My second piece of advice to guys, if you do have a journal already, stop calling it a journal, okay? Now, number two, give God his deserved attention. Close the door, turn off your electronics. And I know I've got people like shaking out there. No, right? This is really hard for people to do. Turn off the notifications on your computer. Turn your phone off, all right? The universe is going to be okay without you for 30 minutes, all right? I have special permission from the universe to tell you it's okay to turn off your electronics, all right? Turn off your electronics for 30 minutes. For, you know, depending on what generation you are, this is a higher anxiety level issue for you, okay? Turn them off. You understand, for obvious reasons, focus is everything when it comes to prayer and scripture study. It's, it's everything when it comes to time management. It's, it's everything when it comes to doing these kind of things. But, but, but also, it honors God to do that, to give him your full attention. That alone is enough, that alone, you can mess all this other stuff up. Giving God your full attention for a time period every day like this alone, that is a good thing. Give him his deserved attention. And then begin with prayer, okay? You tune out the world and you begin with prayer. Very simple kind of directional prayer. Father, this is your time. Speak to me, Holy Spirit, I'm listening. You open yourself up to God. You can pray more if your heart is led to do that. There's no expectation to do more. That's what helps me. I don't have a big expectation. You got to pray this much time at the beginning. Honestly, most of my prayer comes after I read scripture because there's things and thoughts God puts in my heart. But I, but sometimes I'll just begin with this basic prayer. So then as you go into your time of study and prayer, you need to expect your mind to wander. And then each time it does, you write that distraction down and you simply refocus. Because a lot of people go, I can't pray, I can't read scripture because my mind wanders. Look, <laughs> that's all of us, okay? We all have that problem. We all do. So you just refocus. You expect it to happen. You refocus. The reason I, I would recommend that you write down your distraction is because when you write it down, it's, it's over with. You, you'll think of, when, when, when you read scripture, God, God puts stuff on your heart. Even stuff like, wow, I need to do that. So write it down. Then it's taken care of. You can come back to it later. If you don't write down the distraction, you'll be thinking of it like unconsciously the whole time. It takes the power out of distractions to do two things. One, to expect them. And number two, to simply write them down. They don't have, then they don't have power just to kind of float around out there. The scripture calls it capturing our thoughts. So just write it down. Now, the next thing you do is look at your card is you zoom out. Okay, now, I, it sounds like I've said a lot. Honestly, everything I've said so far is going to take you, after you have a plan and everything, that's only like one or two minutes of, of getting your mind, closing the door, you know, getting ready, focusing in prayer. It, it's, it's often a short amount of time, unless you pray a little longer. One or two minutes. Now, so you zoom out. Okay, and what you do by zooming out is you're getting a picture of the context. So, so you're not reading the scripture yet. You're getting a picture of the context. You're looking simply at your Bible. You're looking at what comes before and after. So you kind of know where you are. You just kind of remember where you are. Because the context, what can 
comes before and after brings a lot of meaning to the text. So just glance at what happens if you're reading, we're reading like Luke chapter 16 this week. So look at, just remind yourself of what's in Luke 15 and just kind of look at Luke 17. Don't read it. Just look at the subtitles and where you've been and where it's kind of going so you know where your scripture fits. The reason you got to do this, and over time it becomes more and more natural. If you just read scripture without glancing at the context, you often miss a lot of meaning and often misinterpret too. So, Context is king. So much scripture is misinterpreted because it's not read in the context. You just got to glance at it. There's millions of examples of this. We don't have time to talk about a single one of them, but that's okay. Um, What I did include on your chart on the back page, and I'm not going to go through it, is a guide to how to interpret scripture. That's a whole other message. But keep this with you. As you're reading, walk through these steps. Look at them. It it becomes natural over time to walk through this process. Most Most people interpret scripture by starting at number five, okay? We learn over time to go through these these steps and it kind of becomes natural. All right. And then another part of the context, just acknowledge what style of writing the text is. You might be reading a parable. You might be reading poetry or prophecy. It's just clear to, to, to say, okay, here's, here's the type of writing I'm reading. And now it's time to read the passage. All that took us probably two minutes. I mean, when you approach your Bible, say it's only a couple minutes long. This next part is the longest section. When you're actually studying scripture, this is like 15 you know, if you're doing a 30-minute thing, it's like 15 to 20 minutes of that study, or even 25. This is the longest, or, you know, however you end up doing it, this is the longest section. All right, so when you start reading, my advice is you read the passage slowly, and you make a mess along the way, okay? You make a mess along the way. You're going to see some pictures in a second. Uh, from my Bible. This is, this is my Bible. It's got the duct tape on it, you know, and all that kind of stuff because it came apart and all that kind of stuff. And it got little tabs and all this stuff. You'll, be, you'll create your own system. But taking notes in your Bible helps you remember things, uh, helps you, you're, you're going to want to come back to things, helps you process things. A good Bible is a used Bible. Okay. That's a good Bible. I'm a sensitive guy. I know that some people out there are going, Oh my goodness, you write in your Bible. That's horrible. Um, that's sacrilegious to comfort you. Here's what I will say. I write neatly in my Bible. Okay. It's neat. Okay. But this is not a shrine. This is, this is a tool God gives us. Okay. This is sacred to me. The word of God is sacred to me. And, and, the, and it's so important that God wants me to take notes in it, to remember the things he's taught me. So, so you'll create your own system. Uh, God wants us, wants our Bibles to be used. You circle keywords, underlying critical passages. I use little posty notes, those little Sticky things because, you know, verses that I'm like, wow, we need to remember that, you know, and so it's filled with those things. Write down little questions that are like, oh, wow, that's amazing. I don't even know what that means. Write the question down so you can come back to it and study that later. Draw lines to connect an idea, all kinds of things. So the whole time I'm doing that too, I'm, I got my man chronicles, okay? I'm writing things down, you know, things that God is, is teaching me um, that I come back to often later. It helps me process the information. So you zoomed out looked at the context and now you've read the passage, which is the biggest chunk of time where God's revealing all these things. And now you zoom in. Okay. So this is another stage. What you do is you come back to some of the most important critical things that God told you. Some of the questions, 
some, some of the things that he, he's calling you to remember, you zoom, you go back. For, for me, the, most com- t- the two most common things I do when I zoom in are number one, I'll have a key question, something I didn't understand or something I was like, wow, that's amazing. What does that mean? And I'll follow that rabbit trail. Um, for example, <laughs> it's funny. Last week, uh, you know, I was reading Exodus. I was like, I want to know what, who is the, who exactly was the Pharaoh of the Exodus? Like what, what are all that, what's all, I haven't read this stuff like this before, but it's refreshing my memory. But then it was like an hour and a half later reading like, who's the Pharaoh of the Exodus and all the evidence. I'm not recommending that. I'm just saying, you know, following rabbit trails. The other thing I do a lot is I print out scriptures and I just carry them around with me, okay? Um, and you can memorize scripture just, just by having it near you. Well, I uh, usually have a scripture taped on my steering wheel that I read at stoplights, okay? <laughs> not, you know, so, um, so those are the two things. So, so you can do a lot of different things, things that'll help you. What verse do you want to remember and perhaps dwell on? Maybe you write that down, print it out. What questions did the text leave you with? You follow rabbit trails. What made you go, wow, aha? You know, what made you go, uh-oh, you know, I need to change that. You know, those kind of things. You zoom in. And then the next thing you do, you zoomed out, you've read the text, which is the biggest part. You zoom in on a couple key things, you know, a couple takeaways. Then you reread the text. You don't have to always reread the whole thing. Sometimes you just reread a section. But what's so cool about doing this when you reread it is you're coming back to the scripture with a new understanding. And you read it, you don't, you don't do the, the, the critical reading where you're slowing down and you just reread it again and you're like, wow, I get it. You just reread it one more time. You, that way you see the whole picture. And then you end in prayer. And for me, this is how I do my prayer life. I do it after I study scripture because there's a hundred things on my mind. God puts stuff on your heart. He focuses your mind. He does things in you. He, he directs you what to pray about. He puts stuff there. And so the most fruitful times for me in prayer are usually after I study scripture. So that's when I do it. You don't have to do it that way. That's just a suggestion. But I found that this is the way that, that gives me inspiration to pray. It takes, again, a lot of the non-motivation away. It, it, the word of God itself, you know, just, you know, puts inspiration and, and motivation upon me to do it and creates a focus. It, it, it's not always like that. There's no surefire way to always approach scripture and you're, you're always going to come away going, oh man, I feel fuzzy after I read and after I, that's not how it works. Honestly, sometimes it does work that way. Many times in prayer and in scripture reading, God will give you a gift. He'll put some comfort on your heart. You know, often he'll put peace upon you. He'll, he'll do something in that moment in you. He will. But you don't, just don't expect it every time. Sometimes, you know, sometimes what God gives you comes like a day later. He puts something on your heart and you didn't realize. Then you have this conversation with somebody, which happened today where I was counseling someone, had read this psalm this morning, and I, and I just said, this is crazy. Listen to this psalm. God, God, God is always was and is and is to come. He knows what's happening, okay? He, he puts things, he gives some things to you that are not for you. They're for somebody else. But you gotta be in the word to receive what God not only wants to do in you, but what he wants to do through you for someone else. And that is how it works. So, so you can do that. 
you can do that in 30 minutes. You can do it in 20 minutes. It depends on what your plan is. You can do it in an hour. I call it the hour. It's on my calendar. But the scripture reading and prayer is different for all of us. But we learn how to do it by doing it. So starting tomorrow, starting tomorrow, okay? Let's do it. Why not just see what God will do in you? Because there's hundreds and hundreds of things that if you haven't been doing this, you have, God hasn't been able to give you that he wants to give you. Things he wants to do in you, things he wants to do through your life. Now I saved one more thing for the end here. One more critical truth. It's probably the most important thing I could say. Here's what it is. You don't have to be in scripture daily to be saved, but you do have to be in scripture daily to receive the hundreds of other things God wants to do in your life. No one is saved by how, what kind of perfect attendance they have with Bible reading and prayer. We are saved by the grace of God through faith. It is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourself. This is a gift of God. We're not saved by how well we do our our work. We're saved by how well Jesus already did it. Lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for our sins. He did for us what we could not do on our own. That's called grace. And God offers that to us freely through the work of his son, through what's already been done. And when we put our faith in Jesus, we surrender our heart to him. We're saved once and for all. And he calls us to respond to that. He calls us to to believe in Jesus, make a public profession of our faith, follow through with that, that profession of faith with, with baptism. The old self is, is gone. The new self comes up. We're saved by what Jesus did, not by what we do. However, there's a lot of other stuff writing on this. Stuff God wants to do in your life. Plans God has for you to use your life. So this isn't about God giving you another rule to follow, okay? This is an invitation that God has given you. He's not calling you and I to read the Bible because it's the right thing to do or it's the Christian thing to do. He's calling us to be alone with him every day, daily, in prayer and in his word because he loves us and he's offering us a gift and he wants to give us more. That's why. Let's pray together. Father, we want what you want for us. We want what you want for us. You have plans to use our lives. You have plans to form us to be more like the image of your son. Plans to remove things from us that hinder us in our walk with you. Plans to put things in us. Plans to give us things that are for others. For people who we love. You want to pour into us so we can lead our families better. So we can can do relationships better. So we we can... you know, spill out the things of your word and things of Jesus upon other people. We invite your spirit into us. We pray for each other right now. Think about, without looking, just think about the people sitting around you and just, just pray for them. Pray that, that God will give them a plan. God, give, give the person to our left and our right a plan to be with you. Put it upon their heart. Give them an image of where that room is, whether it's their bedroom or some other room in their house or their office, where you want to meet them tomorrow. And give them the time of day. We all got to get creative with this, God. 
Give them wisdom to choose the right time. And whatever else they need, Father, to follow through with this, give it to them. That's our prayer for each other. We love you, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen.